Good evening, everyone. I'm Judy Cooper, I'm the coordinator of public programs for the Pratt Library. And on behalf of our CEO, Dr. Carla Hayden, it's my pleasure to welcome you here this evening for this um, very special edition of our Writers Live program series. Tonight, it is our honor to host a remarkable actress and author who is here to discuss a very personal story. Immigration has been a hot topic during this presidential election, and I know you are eager to hear the insights of Diane Guerrero. Diane Guerrero has appeared in the highly rated TV series, TV shows, Orange is the New Black and Jane the Virgin. Her new book, In the Country We Love, My Family Divided, is a compelling and moving memoir which has received praise from the literary community. Diane volunteers with the nonprofit Immigrant Legal Resource Center and with Mi Familia Vota, an organization that promotes civil involvement. She has also been named an ambassador for citizenship and naturalization by the White House. Tonight she is joined in, by the Baltimore Sun's award-winning education reporter, Liz Bowie. And Liz, we thank you very much for being here and moderating this conversation with Diane. Um, please welcome Diane and Liz to the Pratt Library. Hello. Good evening. Can you all hear us? Yeah. Okay. Hello. Oh, this does work. <laughs> Um, well, I just wanted to start the conversation off by having Diane tell you, you, you've probably know of her as an actress, but maybe you don't know her backstory. So I wanted to ask her just to give us the briefest of introductions about her story, um, just the, the sort of structure of it and, and who she is. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Liz. Thank you, Judy. And thank you, um, Pratt Library. And thank you to all of you for being here today. I am, I feel so honored uh, that you guys came out to hear me speak. I, I'll try my best. Um, uh, well, my name is Diane Guerrero. Um, my parents are Colombian immigrants. I was born in New Jersey, but I was raised in Boston. Boston, anybody? No. Yay! Um, my parents came here with a visa um, in hopes, I mean, the, the story changes sometimes. You know, my dad, you know, they, sometimes they say, you know, we, we were just going to see how, you know, check out the States or, you know, you know, my mother had hopes of, of staying and making a family here and making her dreams come true, of course. Um, and eventually their visa expired and... They wanted to try to figure out a way uh, to become citizens. So that was their journey and their quest. Um, so they were undocumented uh, for as long as I can remember. And um, my childhood was shaped by that, by that fact. Um, my parents were very honest with me. Um, as a young girl, I knew what their status was, and I knew very clearly what my status was. I was an American citizen, and they weren't. So they, I had something that they wanted very desperately, 
and they made it very clear that they needed that so that we could stay together. So I remember every prayer, every wish was that my parents got these papers that they needed so that we could stay together. Um, we managed to live our lives, and but it was certainly scary, and I know that anybody who has been through this experience knows how intense it is and how um, uh, interesting your life uh, can become uh, when you're living uh, in, in the shadows. Um, so I, I grew up with this dream, but I also had another dream. I had the dream of maybe one day um, becoming an entertainer, a performer, um, an artist. And uh, so when my parents, my parents were deported because of the, their lack of documents, um, I decided to stay and pursue my dream, which was to stay here and, and finish my education and, and, uh, and try to live out my own dreams. Um, in the country we love. I know, it's corny, but I always put that in there. Um, <laughs> it was yesterday where I was like, I was making this video for this event, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I put that in there. I said, in the country we love, and then, like, I winked, so, like, because I felt embarrassed, and my friend was like, you know, own that. Just own it. It is the country you love, so own it. So now I'm, I'm not winking, I'm saying, so I could stay in the country we love, and... Uh, pursue my my dreams and and form my own life, and um, and then I so here we are. Um, I, you know, I think 14, 15 years passed, and I wasn't dealing with the huge cloud um, over my life, which was this whole issue of immigration, and I started seeing. Uh, the topic come up a lot in the news um, and and you know and people's you know day to day conversation. So you know the word immigration would come up and I my ears would like you know start ringing and I would want to talk about it but I couldn't um, because I felt uh, you know all, all sorts of stuff. You know I, I had a lot of issues with it because my parents were deported um, and I didn't want to really want to deal with that. But then I saw that there was a need uh, to use my voice in this way, and so um, I, it started little by little. I, I wrote an op-ed, um, just kind of feeling the waters out. I was just like, I didn't think anybody would read the op-ed, of course. I was like, I'm going to do this, but no one's going to read it, so it's all good. It's sort of how I li I've, I've lived my life, really, is by trying things out and telling myself that no one's ever going to see it, nothing's ever going to come of it, but I'm just going to try it. Right, um, and I tried, and <laughs> people did read it, and it did get some sort of attention. And then I realized that it was such an important issue that I had to talk about, and I had to talk about it because I had been through this experience, and I knew that millions of people were going through the same thing, and our country needed voices like mine, people who had been through it firsthand and could share uh, a human story. Um, and and kind of be part of the conversation. And then, you know, la, 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 lots of stuff happened, and then <laughs> I wrote this book, and now I'm here. So was that too long? Yeah, no, 
No, is that okay? That's great. Um, I think one of the really interesting things about the book is that, um, and I've, I've worked a lot on um, stories about immigration in the last year, so I think one of the really interesting things is that we hear so much about the journeys to America um, from people all over the world, but we don't always hear what happens once they're here. Um, we don't always hear the voice of the child who whose parents are deported. We don't hear, how how is it if you're an Iraqi girl and you arrive in Baltimore? What happens after you get here? Um, and so I think those voices are really important to be heard more. I wanted to ask um, Diane to read sort of a, a crucial moment in the, in the um, book, her book, um, when, I'll, I'll just set this up a little, um, she, once her parents were taken out of the house, they were um, detained for a while in, in prison so she could go and visit them. So she went to sort of say goodbye to her mom, and I'll let you start from there. So okay. she's, this is in the prison, yeah. Um, okay. And excuse me if I, if I flub or anything, I have some learning disabilities. It's not funny, but it's true. Um, all right, here we go. I know, not the best profession. I was like, I want to be an actor. <laughs> you know, just always challenging myself. Um, okay, here it goes. You ready? Amelia asked. I stood and pivoted so I could avoid Mommy's face. As much as I'd longed to see her, I also didn't want to remember her like this. Not with her wrist chained up. Not in an orange jumpsuit. The person behind that barrier wasn't my mother. She was a stranger to me. With hardly a sound, a group, the group shuffled back down the corridor. Amelia held my hand while we walked. This isn't the end for you, Diane, she said as she tried to reassure me. But it felt like the end. As devastated as I was for my mom, I was even more scared for myself. She and my dad were going home to family. I was stepping into a future I'd prayed would never come. Outside, Amelia peered out over the lot, trying to recall where she'd parked her Camry. A few hundred feet away from us, near the prison side entrance, a white police van pulled up. Amelia and I exchanged a look. Seconds later, two guards herded some inmates out into the curb. My mother was among them. Just as my mother was stepping into the paddy wagon, she turned around and caught a glimpse of me. She froze. I could tell she wanted to say something, to run to me. But before she could make a move, a guard rushed her into the van. Let's go, he snapped. The engine rumbled on. From her seat in the rear, Mommy twisted herself around so she could see me through the bars on the windows. She was trying to tell me something, but I couldn't figure out what it was. Then all at once, I understood. I love you, she was mouthing. I love you, I love you, I love you. She, repeat, she repeated the three words until the van turned from the lot and disappeared. I smiled. That was the only thing that I could be sure of, that my mother loved me. Fuck anyone who tried to come between us. This was me, my teenage years. 
The summer I lost my parents, it was the strangest kind of heartache. No friends gathered to grieve over the departed. No flowers were sent. No memorial service was planned. And yet, the two people I cherished the most were gone. Not from the world itself, but gone from me. We'd find a way to move forward, to carry on, just not with the promise of one another's presence. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry if there are any children in the audience. On the F word. Um, one of the things that I think is um, not well understood um, outside of the Latino immigrant community is the extent of the divisions that the immigration experience has on families. Um, in my work in, as, the in the, as a reporter for the Baltimore Sun, I spent um, six or eight months at Patterson High School in East Baltimore and wrote a series um, um, about that, those th profiling three students. One of them was a Latino boy named Excel. But again and again during that reporting experience, I heard um, particularly the boys, the undocumented boys who'd made it across the border, they told stories about um, their mothers or fathers disappearing from them. Usually their parents didn't tell them that they were going to leave Honduras or El Salvador. Um, they left sometimes in the middle of the night or while they were at school um, and couldn't actually bear to say goodbye to their children, so they just left. Um, and in one case, one of the boys said he came home from school and realized his mother was gone and everyone was crying and he couldn't figure it out. In another case, a boy told me that he knew his, he was told that his mother was going to just take a bus to another town, but he knew something was terribly wrong and he ran with all his might to see her before she got on the bus and she, he did just barely glimpse her leaving um, and she was crying and he was crying and he didn't see her for eight years. Um, that happens so often, I think. And when, when the kids are reunited, you would think that, oh my gosh, this is, this is the most wonderful thing in the world to be reunited with my mom who I haven't seen. But in fact, it's terribly difficult because you don't really know them. Um, they're they're really strangers to you, um, and many and there's this is such a problem in the Latino immigrant community that they have now the teachers have started developing curriculum that helps parents and um, their children who they've been apart from for a long time reunite because until you reunite you really can't move on in many ways in your new country. So I think Diane's story is a little bit different, but it's a twist on that same, that same theme of having years and years apart and not being able to communicate in a real way and having to sort of separate. And I think, Diane, I, I would ask you to tell a little bit about that separation for you and what it did for you and your insides and then how you came back around. Right. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to um, 
you know, when I went through that, that, that separation from your folks, because like I said, when, uh, my family unit had died that day and, you know, for you there, you're, it's like a death. Um, but no one treats it as that because they're alive. Obviously your parents are alive, but your family unit has died. So you have to sort of move on. I mean, you either move on or you go back. I, I chose to move on and stay here and, and continue my life in the States. Um, you know, in, in a way that, and I, I thought I figured I'd, I'd figure it out. You know, all I knew that I, all I knew was that I needed my education and this is what my parents had taught me. You need your education and you need to, um, if you work really hard, then you'll make something out of, out of yourself. And that was what I believed, you know, as a kid growing up in the States, this was where I could do that. You know, ever, you know, I, I knew that I could do this here and I could be resourceful. And if I was savvy enough and I was determined enough that something could happen, that I could make something happen. But what I guess I didn't realize at that age was what the relationship was going to be with my folks. And for some reason, I thought, okay, we'll figure that out too. Um, But what I didn't realize was the huge strain that it had on us and um, what it had on our emotional life and our our psychological, and the psychological impact that it would have on me. So... Um, I wanted to talk about that in the book, the, just the strained relationships and um, that, that it, the effects that it has on a family um, to be separated like that. You know, no one talks about um, the psychological and emotional damage um, because no one sees this as really, I mean, when you hear it on the news and when you hear politicians talk about it, you never hear it as a human issue. It, it's all political. Um, but it's important to realize that these are real people and real families and there are real effects. And I was lucky enough to sort of, um, come back from that, but I was like, I was in a very deep hole for a very long time. Um, I didn't speak to my parents or didn't see them for maybe eight years because the pain was, it was too much. I didn't know how to handle it. I would go back to Columbia and I would visit them and I didn't know what to do because I was growing and they were growing and I figured, you know, those are my parents. They'll stay the same, but you know, they grow too. They change. And, um, your mother absolutely just didn't give up. I mean, she kept calling and calling and calling and calling and you would like a teenager would, you just said, no, I'm not going to deal with you. Yeah. I mean, there was a point where I sort of, I didn't know how to handle it. So I had to separate myself and, um, and I feel like sometimes, you know, in a way that sort of gave me legs to continue. I mean, it's, I did the best that I could. You know, I didn't know how to, um, <laughs> I love it. You like shake. I'm like, I always look at you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, I didn't, I didn't really know how to, how to be an adult and handle things correctly. So I just did the best that I could. And sometimes shutting down was the only way that I could move, move forth. Um, and I think the way that, I mean, it took me 14, 15, I mean, just until a few years ago, I mean, my, my family relationship and still, I mean, I have to work at it every day. I mean, my mother was like pissed at me yesterday for something, you know what I mean? For like me not being responsive enough or me not showing her the kind of, you know, emotion that she want, she wanted from me. Um, so it's work every day. And sometimes we, 
I mean, I think that this is the only thing, I mean, yeah, being apart, but it's just, it's the relationship that was so strained and that I wish I could get back. Um, but, you know, you have to do the best you can. We were talking about technology and how sort of that's been a part of, uh, has played a huge part in us kind of reconnecting. And obviously my work uh, with immigration reform has kind of helped my mind and my heart sort of heal so that I could, you know, accept my life and accept our relationship the way it is and just love it for what it is and, and, and continue that way. And just like, you know, you got to just adjust to whatever life is, has given you and try to make the best out of that. And that's what I've tried to do, um, you know, with this work. And, uh, so I sort of have done this, I mean, obviously so I could help others and, and share with others, but also so I could help me and my family because we needed something I needed, and, and like, in, in, my, in my fashion, I always, you know, I go big or I go home, so I had to, like, do this so that I could try to salvage um, sort of the relationship with my parents. I needed to open my heart uh, to this work um, so that I could... I mean, actually, it. you also needed to repair those relationships, it seems, right. both until you could go on with your life in a really productive way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a a big deal when you went to see your mom and Mm -hmm. repaired that relationship after so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And like I said, it's repairing every day. Like I said, she was really mad at me yesterday. (laughs) She's like, oh, man. Sorry. So so I wondered, I wanted you to talk a little bit about um, becoming an actress and um, if you thought that the sort of grit and perseverance that you needed to get through the years without your parents had then helped you become an actress, you know, that you were willing to sort of stick it out through a lot of um, auditions that didn't work out or long times between between work. and Yeah. Yeah, this kind of work is very up and down. I mean, I still, like, every day I get a call, you know, I'm, like, trying to figure out my life and what my next move is because, you know... it's gig by gig, you know, it's not, it's not a sure thing. This business is not a sure thing. And I mean, I knew that, um, I mean, the reason why I didn't want to take the chance in the beginning, um, what I was scared of was because I didn't have, you know, that foundation or that base that I know that you need to pursue anything, you know, I mean, you need that support from your family members, but yeah, I think you're right. I feel like at the time that I decided to pursue what I really wanted to do, I really had to say, I just had to say, F it, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've already been through so much. I mean, what, people are going to say no to me? <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, I say no to me. You know, I've, I've already been through so much. I already lost my parents. I already lost the one thing that, that meant the world to me. So I felt like it, it totally just prepared me um, for the amount of rejection that I, that I got. Um, and it just, you know, I grew up, I grew up, but, um, yeah, I think that, that everything that I went through in high school and, and after that, like everything, like going to college was a huge miracle for me. I didn't even know how it happened. I still don't know. Um, but doing that and then like doing the things that I got to do and having the support in my community that I got, I, I don't know how it happened, but I know that I was in need and I needed to be resourceful. I needed to be respectful. I needed to, when I say respectful, meaning keep my place, 
you know, um, be grateful to others who were helping me along this journey. And I think that's all served me, you know, it's all served me. And I, and I don't think you need to go through something like this to, to, to carry that with you, being resourceful, being respectful, being, what's the other R? I use another R usually. I'll remember. What? Boom, girl, you got it. Resilient. Yes, that's a big one. Resilient. I'm like, what's the other one that I do all the time? Yes, resilient. I knew that I had to do those. So um, it really, it really has served me well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So in, during, in, so from the time that your parents left to um, fairly recently, actually, um, the fact that your parents were, uh, you know, had undocumented and had been deported, you kept a complete secret, even from people you were pretty close to in your yeah. lives. Um, and so I wondered what the transition was like, you know, sort of uh, <laughs> suddenly burying all of this... Um, well, I think that, I mean, for a long time, I feel like my immediate friends knew, like the kids who I grew up with knew, some of them um, knew what would happen to me. And um, I don't know, sometimes I felt like it held me back. Like I, I knew, first of all, I'm a very happy person. I'm a very, you know, uh, outgoing person. So I felt like if I ever told this story, people would look at me differently. I was ashamed also. I mean in this culture you're you're taught sort of or from the images that you see on tv or the sort of rhetoric that you hear from people is just like if you're an immigrant you're a bad person if you're deported then you are a failure um so I was ashamed and I didn't want to share that and I didn't want people to look at me differently um and then you know once things started escalating, like the topic started coming up more and more. And I feel like it's come up even like now, obviously more than ever, which is why I was um, compelled to talk about it. Um, But it was like an explosion when, you know, I would hear, like I was, like I said, I would hear um, somebody talk about it and I would want to say something to it, or I would say something really bold and people would be like, where'd that come from? And I'm like, what? No, nothing. I'm just... I didn't know you were passionate about it. I'm like, uh, immigration, you know, nation of immigrants, that's all. I mean, it's, I'm not, no biggie. Um, and so when I, when I basically shared that with people and in, in the way that I did, um, I, I felt that the response was very, um, it was cool. It was, it was, it was really open and, um, and people were accepting. And I learned that day that if you just, you know, there's no shame in your story. There's no shame where you come from or who you are. Um, and, and you need to use that, you know. It, so if, you're, if you found yourself in a place where you're unhappy and you want to, you're unhappy with the current system or something is not right, you wake up and you're like, I'm not into that. I'm not into the raids that are happening right now. I, there should be, you know, a, a, a path for citizenship. I don't really understand the immigration system. It doesn't seem, it seems a little foggy. I feel like m- the majority of people in this country don't really understand it. Um, and then you decide to be a part of a solution or trying to find a solution. Um, and then that, and so I felt it was just worth it to, to share my story at that point. There, there are a lot of, uh, things going on in immigration right now. And, um, one of the things that I we discussed earlier was I felt that 
that social media has really changed immigration in this country. If you think back 100 years ago, people came over to the United States and, you know, they got off the boat and that was it. They, they didn't talk to their family except through letters, and those letters took a long time getting here and back. And today, um, the new immigrants that I speak with, like the refugees who have left Iraq or, or um, they've left any country, really, are still so connected through Facebook and Twitter and um, texting, and, it, you know, it's, it's really free to be in touch with your friends. So, they never, in, in a way, it's a wonderful comfort for them to be able to, to talk to their relatives. I talked to a Syrian family who the mother is left behind in Turkey with one of the children and the rest of the family is here. And they Skype at dinner every night, so they have dinner together over Skype. Um, but they can't unite, um, which is a wonderful thing in one sense. In another way... Um, it can be horribly um, debilitating because you can never sort of really leave your country behind. So, for instance, I would I um, profiled a, a Iraqi girl who left um, her fiance back in Baghdad, um, and for the first year and a half she was here, she was constantly Facebook messaging him dozens of times every day. Um, she's finally broken off with him, but that that sense that you know I can't I can't really go on with my life here. Um, so it's a wonderful thing to have to be able to be in touch with your parents so quickly, um, but it also can be a detriment. In in you were talking about how you always feel that there's a that people feel you should drop everything when they call. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly, I mean, the way our culture, some of our cultures are, is that the family is everything, right? Um, our parents are everything, and, um, and you have sort of this responsibility, especially if you have this opportunity, this great opportunity to be here in the United States to, um, you know, sort of provide or, or to be attentive and to be there. I mean, believe, I, look, I wish that bug bit me because I don't want to talk to anybody, <laughs> I wish, man, that, that wasn't funny. But you know, if I, if I, if I, you know, skyped with my mom during dinner every night, she'd like love it. Um, unfortunately, I'm way too American for that. I'm like, eh, I'm gonna watch TV. Um, but no, I mean, there has to be a balance, right? I mean, I, I, I still feel that responsibility, which is like, I mean, I, you know, I wake up screaming sometimes. I'm like, ah, you know, I, I've so, I have so much on my mind, and I. Have, I want to do so much. I want to do so much for my family. Um, but there is just, you know, there has to be a moment where you balance and you say, okay, I have to live for me. I have to do what I have to do and take care of myself in order to help others. And, um, and I did that sort of along my journey in different ways. Um, I didn't have a balance, so I just, like, shut people out and said, I'm going to go out for my dreams, and, you know. I, and I'm not going to let anyone stop me, including my family. Um, but, of course, that didn't make me happy. It made me incredibly depressed. So um, you just have to um, find a balance. And another thing I would say about technology, though, is that how it easy it is to obviously share information um, and information like, you know, what's going on in the world or, um, you know, what kind of movements uh, we want or what kind of 
um, you know, what, what is troubling our society and things like that. And we can share information so much faster. And that's a good thing, I think, especially for the Latino community who I think uh, now is getting most of their information or their news online. Um, there's a lot more people that can have an opinion, a lot more people that can write articles um, who are who are just using their voices. Um, so in that in that sense, I think is it's really good. Um, would you just talk? We'll come full circle now and just maybe talk a little bit about where you see immigration reform going and what your hope is for the future. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some a vast difference of opinion among the presidential candidates. So yeah. maybe you could just talk about how, how you think um, we could get through this. Sure. Um, well, I think, I think obviously having this conversation right now is a step forward. Um, I think that we need to have, uh, well, first, first and foremost, I think, in my opinion, we need immigration reform along with a lot of the groups and organizations that I'm working with. We need immigration reform. We think that um, the immigration system in this country is outdated. As you see, um, a lot of people are affected every year, every day, and nothing is being done. And this, we, we've had the system for a very long time. The visa system is outdated. And, of course, the way we handle family separation is not a good thing. Um, I feel like there are there are a lot more people getting involved and and actually talking about this issue. I think that still like a, I still I still think a lot of people don't know what we're dealing with. Um, I don't know where, where the future of, of immigration reform is going. I don't see it happening. Um, I, I wish it could happen sometime soon. I wish deportations would stop. I wish that we could have a, a friendlier conversation about um, immigrants and what they mean to this country. I hope that we can change the culture in which we talk about immigration and undocumented people um, and see all the contributions that uh, those immigrant communities uh, make. I feel there needs to be a clear and fair path to citizenship, and I feel like the people that are here already deserve um, to contribute to this country uh, legally. I don't think um, any. I don't think any uh, immigrant or undocumented family that I that I have ever talked to is here saying I don't want any documents. I don't want to become a citizen. I don't. You know. I feel like everyone who I talk to, and and I know it from firsthand because I know how much my parents love this country. I know how hard they fought um, to find a path to become citizens to become. Um, Documented, um, so there just there there needs to be uh, more talk about reform and and less talk about um, division and and kicking out and building walls and and all this thing. And again, I'm not like advocating for people to come over. And I think that it's silly to think that everyone in the world wants to be here because that's not true. Um, I just think that there needs to be uh, some sort of uh, just a plan for the people who are already here um, and who've made lives here. Yeah. I think we can have some questions now if we want, if people want to ask. Oh, there's a microphone, and I ask that you go to that. Just go up there. Just run up there. Just. (laughs) 
that it will be um, heard by everyone. Hi. Um, so my question is kind of about your experience because you are on such very kind of groundbreaking TV shows right now. Mm-hmm. Shane the Virgin obviously has a lot to say and has done a lot for women's television in some ways, and Orange, in the new, Orange is the New Black has done a lot to tell women's stories. So both of those are kind of great platforms, and I know on Jane the Virgin there was a whole storyline about ABBA being an undocumented citizen. Um, I was wondering if you had had any input on that, and if you have any input on the stories of women who might be facing similar situations in prison for Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Well, I, well, thank you so much. Um, and, well, first, I'm so proud to be on both, on two shows that are so uh, social and who comment on, you know, what's happening socially, right? I think that's why we've come to love both shows so much because they sh- sort of, like, share what's really happening in the world and sharing stories that we have, haven't really heard. Um, part of what I said, like, when I said about changing the culture, right, I feel like television shows and entertainment have a responsibility uh, to to bring forth those issues so that we can talk about them. I think that's why it was su- such a huge deal. I mean, when, when Jane the Virgin uh, had that storyline and then, t- ha- you know, typed in hashtag immigration reform. And it, it was just, it was like this tiny little thing. And it was a quick mention and it reached so many people. Right, I think that you see the power of what you know shows like this have, and and the huge responsibility that us in the entertainment system, uh, not system, sorry, industry, <laughs> in the entertainment industry have, you know, to use our platform um, to raise these issues so we can talk about them, so that you know we can get involved, and so that we can know the power of our voices and the power of our actions and and participation. Um, I hope that more shows um, can take a look at shows like Orange is the New Black and Jane and sort of and take from, from that. I think that we're doing it slowly, but um, um, I'm certainly being part of those shows definitely motivated me to be more active and saying, you know, it made me feel like I had a voice too and, and how I should use it, you know, being around um, so many women uh, who care about so many things and actually doing something about it, and even the smallest way by just typing something that you care about or going into, you know, working with an organization and, um, and, and lending, you know, your time or, or trying to motivate others um, to, to fight for something, to fight for something that they believe in, I think is really cool. Thank you. Hello. Hello, Diane. My name is Alfredo, and I'm a little bit starstruck right now because uh, I've been wa- I just finished watching the third season of Orange is the New Black just oh, last see. week. Yes, That's yes. Like, uh, and we're looking forward to the fourth season. So was my, so are my coworkers, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, so I'm glad to be here in front of you, and uh, I just purchased your book too, so I can't wait to read it. Thank you. Um, so I want to go back a little bit to your story, your personal story. Sure. Um, parents were deported. I mean, family is everything. And to come home and not see your parents there, I can't imagine that. Were there any systems in place to support you or that, you, that, you, or that you're aware of that least supported other youth that you may have chose not to uh, access that, that type of support? 
Yeah, no, I, there, there were none. I mean, when the whole thing happened, and I talk about this all the time, I, I, we waited. I waited to see if someone would come or if I would get a call or even in school. And no one ever came, and it was sort of, I, I mean, I sure as hell didn't, you know, I didn't want to go. And I, didn't, I was afraid, I didn't, so I didn't go to the police. Or I, didn't like, I didn't contact anybody to say, hey, I'm like here by myself. Um, I sort of just... We sort of made the decision that I would stay with friends. Um, but I didn't know of any programs. I didn't know of any organizations that could help me. And I think that part of me getting involved like this and writing this book and, and, and sitting here with you is because I'm trying to uh, reach those who are going through the same thing or who knows someone who's going through the same thing, a child left behind, um, to sort of motivate them to to tell them and say there are organizations out there and there are websites out there and there is literature out there that you can read and you can educate yourself. I think that that, you know, I talk about how that is sort of one of the things that I, I, I'm sad that, you know, that we were so scared and we were living in such fear that we didn't go out there and educate ourselves really and what our options were and what our rights were and what we could do and who we can seek uh, for help, um, so I think right now I'm I'm doing my best to 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 express that and to say that there are places out there that you can go to. There are organizations out there that are willing to help, that are willing to educate you, and you should definitely definitely take advantage of it so that you don't you're not staying at home in fear. You're trying to help your situation and help your family out, right? Like programs with DACA and DAPA. And go ahead. Well, what I was going to say was one of the really horrifying moments in the book is actually the fact that Ice came in and took her parents and never thought or never then followed up and said, well, there's a child living in this house, so what's going to happen to that child? So they just took the parents and left. So if you think about a family that's not as resourceful as you and your... I mean, your parents took care, made sure that there was somebody there even from prison, made sure there was somebody there for that, her. But, um, but the idea that, that the federal government would basically take an eight-year-old's parents away and then not follow through to make sure that eight-year-old has foster care or yeah, is disgrace. taken care. Yeah. disgrace. The system failed to failed her. But I want to just congratulate you on being resilient. Thank you. You reflect to me a lot of Latino immigrants that live here in Baltimore that I work with and that I'm proud to call my family and friends. So, te felicito. Muchas gracias. Te deseo todo un éxito. Uh, muchas gracias. Lo aprecio. Gracias. Hi, good evening. My name is Juliana. Um, I work for a comprehensive immigrant resource center here in Baltimore called the Esperanza Center. Yes. And I just wanted to thank you because we rely a lot on the ILRC's resources, the red cards, oh, really? uh, the Know Your Rights cards were life-giving um, in December during the um, deportation priorities. Um, and as a person that works with immigrants and particularly immigration law, I was curious and maybe like a little chismosa, have you tried going through the process of petitioning for your parents to come back or are your parents interested in coming back? And um, if you're in the process of doing that, how much of a headache has it been? And can you speak a little bit about, a little bit more, because I know in your book and you've mentioned a little bit about what a headache that process is for all the people that say, you know, get in line, do it correctly. Right. How long it takes um, 
because I don't think a lot of people are that aware of how much it is. So, oh my, yeah. Well, first, first, I have to say that is definitely cheese mozo of you, but I love it. <laughs> I, like, I feel like we're all a little bit of family. We're, no, I get. Yeah, we're so close. I know. Um, I have to say that yes, they want to come back, and I and I want them back. And um, right now, I'm I'm going through that process, um, and it is, it is very, very difficult. Um, I mean, the the amount of paperwork that goes. Um, in it and you know they have to you know they have to remember all these dates and all this thing and if um you know it, it's difficult and yes we want to I, I want them to like I, I just want them to be able to visit you know I mean I think that's my goal I'm not even I don't even <laughs> my expectations are pretty low um but but even that is really difficult um it it is really hard but we're, we I am trying I don't think I'll ever stop trying because I love them, and I want them to see me grow, um, and I want them to see my family when, when I, you know, when that happens. <laughs> Clock is ticking, people. <laughs> um, but it's happening. I mean, you know, I, I, every day I miss my mother. You know, I want to I wanna go to Home Goods with her. I want to just go to the grocery store, you know, things like that. And I can go and do that when I go to Columbia, but it's not the same, you know, to know that she is in my home, that she is, you know, in, in, in this country, in my country. Um, which I also consider her a part of still. Um, so it is very difficult, the process, and, um, but thank God for the Immigration Legal Resource Center, who, who I volunteer with. Um, they have been so helpful, and organizations like that just provide, like your organization, provide all the information that I need so that I don't do um, any mistakes and any mistake, uh, mis- missteps because anyone will tell you that has been through this process any single like mistake can just you you'll have to just start from the beginning and whatever that beginning is and you know there are so many roadblocks for it like I said there is no clear path and there is no back of the line so thank you thank you so much Hi, thank you again for coming here today. Um, I am uh, a teacher here in the city. I teach at Baltimore City College, which is a high school city forever. I see some city alum and city teachers. Um, And I'm also an advisor for our student organization, which is uh, SOMOS, Students Organizing a Multicultural Open Society. Thank you. (laughs) She's one of them. (laughs) Um, So uh, what I wanted to hear about was how could the school system have better supported you? What do you think schools should be doing? This is happening. It's happening in our communities. We know our our students are being affected. Um, What is the role that you see in schools in this, um, and how can we be there for our students better? Um, Well, first of all, I mean, when I was growing up, I had no sort of education when it came to immigration and our immigration system. And um, just so just learning about it, I think, or having it be part of the curriculum um, would be very helpful. I think that um, new programs need to be in place, like the program that that you were talking about earlier, um, which is, what do they do? They, they, um, I don't know. Oh, the reunification. The reunification. Yeah, Yeah. curriculum, yeah. Um, Curriculum, I think, are so helpful. Um, I think having an open conversation about it and and teaching your students and um, also, like I said, when changing the language and the culture, it's like, you know, knowing that we don't, that no person, no one person is illegal, right? That we need to change that type of language and, um, and also know that um, immigrants and even people here who are undocumented, undocumented make up part of 
what America is and, and what this country is. So in stories like mine that many people share, sharing those and being open about stories like this and knowing that that is a part of our American story that just because my parents were undocumented, just because I was, I'm, the, I'm the daughter of undocumented um, people uh, doesn't make me less American than anyone else. Um, so I think that way we'll, we'll start having better conversations about it and maybe more solutions and maybe, um, you know, involving people so that they could be more civically engaged you know, the importance of voting, the importance of participating and being active in your community so that there were electing officials who are going to meet our needs. And I, I don't say that just our needs as a Latino community or as an undocumented community or an immigrant community from everywhere, right? So from Syria, from Iraq, from, I say all of us, but also American citizens because it's important for the entire country for this, for this issue to be um, addressed for immigration reform. It's important for our, the entire country. I think it's really interesting that I, what I've seen um, as an education reporter that more and more, um, for instance, at Patterson High School, the last four valedictorians have been immigrants. Um, and if you look at, at the top of the class um, in, in many high schools across the state, they're immigrants. Thank you. Thank you. So teach those kitties. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, my name is Hi. Yasin. I am fangirling so much right now. <laughs> Don't fangirl. Or fangirl. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, my question is, as a young Latina activist, I want to know what advice would you give to young Latino activists like myself? Well, I mean, one advice and one thing that I have to remind myself every day is that um, never to give up. I know it sounds cheesy, but you have to know that your work matters and your your effort matters. And um, I think that in order to be part of the solution, we can't stop and we need to continue the work, even though um, we get dis so disappointed um, so much. I mean, you see uh, DAPA and DACA Plus being held up in the courts right now, and that's very frustrating for all of us. But we, what we can do is continue motivating, continue sharing information, continue to be empathetic, um, and, and know that that if we give up, that's the same as like a hundred people giving up, right? I mean, think about, think about this. Think about um, obstructionists, right? And people who um, in the past have obstructed any sort of bill being passed, any sort of bill for immigration reform or any other bill that you've seen where, where people have fought so hard um, to, to help pass and only a few people have made enough noise to say, no, we don't want this. And those few people are speaking for the entire country. And that happens from lack of participation and lack of, um, of motivation and, and endurance. Um, I say we have to keep at it and, and never stop because if, imagine if we all use our voices and if we all uh, continue to be part of this movement or any movement, um, imagine all, uh, all that we can get done and all that we can do. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, my name is Nancy Delgado. Uh, first of all, you're really beautiful. Thank you so <laughs> much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I put on some lipstick for you guys. No biggie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually have three questions. Um, Damn, go ahead. <laughs> 
first question is, since we are in an election year, I would like to know if you're supporting any candidate. Um, second question. Trump. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, my God. I shouldn't even say that in jest. <laughs> second question is, um, are you passionate? I know you're very passionate about immigration, obviously, but um, are you passionate about any other social issues or women's issues? I you know, I'd like to know. And... Um, Third question would be, um, what are your favorite shows? Like, I would, <laughs> I'm a Game of Thrones fan, so I would like to know if you watch it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to Game of Thrones. It's on my cue, girl. It's okay. on my cue. Um, I started, like, years ago, and then I had to go do something, and then I, I just got distracted. I have, like, wicked ADD, so I'm just like... Um, so the first uh, question is, I, right now, the work that I'm doing is just to make sure that people are voting and that people are participating. Um, I'm not, I don't think I want not like, to, not like anybody cares what I say, but I'm not, I'm not yet sure, and I'm not going to, uh, well, I am sure, but I'm not going to say who I'm voting for. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep that private until, like, I can just blast it and just be like, what up? So voting for this person. But right now, I think that my role and that I picked up in the beginning was just that I'm, I'm going to focus on participation and getting people civically engaged. Um, and that's, that's the most important. It's like vote, whatever you're going to vote, vote for anyone, but Trump, but, <laughs> but, but vote for someone and getting, get involved. Um, and then the second question, are you passionate about any other? Oh my gosh. Issues? I'm passionate about everything, girl. I'm passionate about so many things. I am a feminist like through and through I'm a humanist I love animals I'm like yo the other day I was like bugging out about the sharks and like overfishing I think right now I'm I'm passionate about um uh you know the criminalization of our people and 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 trying to put a stop to that I'm you know I I hate guns I like there's so many things that I'm I of course I want to get involved in and and all these causes that um that that I that I care about um and in the future, I, I hope to participate more. I think right now I'm starting with immigration, but I like to live in, in a way where I think everything is, um, you know, thinking about intersectionality, right? And knowing that, you know, one, you know, one thing isn't separate from another. So the, you know, my LGBT brothers and sisters, their woes are my woes, and I hope that my woes are theirs. Um, I like to think of it like that, and. Um, and your third question is, well, okay, right now, <laughs> I'm watching. Um, well, right, I, re I just finished vinyl. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm, I'm watching all sorts of stuff. House of Cards, of course, Orange is the New Black, no biggie. <laughs> um, and I think I'm going to get into Sopranos next and then Game of Thrones. I haven't seen Sopranos. I know it's late, but because of Netflix, you guys better, Netflix, you better, you better show up. Um, now you can watch all sorts of stuff that you you know you missed, and I love binging. I love watching things all at once. It's really great. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm well, thanks. How are you? I just want to start by saying that your top bun is giving me a lot of life right now. Is this top bun? I figured yeah. it would. I'm actually I... about to go to the hair salon and request that. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of hair, but I'm ready and able to purchase it. Get it. Get your life. Get yeah. your life. It, this, is, this is all my life right now. So I appreciate everything that you're doing and telling your story, and Thank I you. loved it. It's so interesting and 
it's really cool to see you here after watching you on Orange is the New Black and also uh, Jane and the Virgin. But I have a very, very serious question for you right now. Boom. I was scrolling through your Instagram feed today, yeah. and I noticed that you posted a picture of Sailor Mars. Yeah. So what I want to know is who is your favorite Sailor Scout? Earlier, when I asked my boyfriend right here who yeah. his fa- favorite Sailor Scout was, he said Sailor Earth. And I had to quickly slap him and no say, there, there is no Sailor Earth. There's no Earth. Sailor Earth. I was there's like, no, exactly. There's no Sailor Earth. But if you could be any Sailor Scout, or who's your favorite Sailor Scout in general? Um, okay. Well, so now I guess the cat's out of the bag. I'm binging Sailor Moon right now, you guys. <laughs> I am binging Sailor Moon. And I was like, I'm wondering, I'm like, why did I love, I loved this show when I was a kid. Um, and sometimes I get annoyed when she like turns into like Sailor Moon because it takes like 30 seconds. It's definitely worth it though. It's worth it though. It's worth it. I'm going through every episode of, first of all, like the relationship that like, um, uh, that Sailor Moon has with, with uh, Tuxedo Mask. It's just my freaking Relationship life. goals. Relationship woes. Hashtag. <laughs> so, um, I think I would be, I mean, and the thing is I posted Mars, but then I was, like, watching, and I was like, she's so angry. I think I'd have to be, like, a mix. I think that my ego, my, like, my, like, I think I'm, I think I'm Sailor Moon. I gotta say, I mean, just looking at, just looking at her personality traits, I think I'm Sailor Moon. I'm actually Sailor Moon, so that's not going to work out for us. <laughs> you can right. be Sailor Mercury, like, in the background. No, I'm no hunty. No, hunty. No, no, no. Sailor Moon. We can both be Sailor Moon. We can't, but thank you. <laughs> it's fine. Sailor Mars. Hello, sir. Hi. I don't really have any questions. just like to make two statements. Uh, once a week, I tutor as a part of a Anne County Public Schools. A Hispanic student, young, seven or eight years old, who are a little bit behind in her reading. Yeah. And uh, right now I'm working with Jesus, and he's come along well, but the thing that impresses me most is the strength of the family unit. There's not much whole lot there. They're, they're poor, no doubt. Uh, very little English is spoken at home. Yet once a week I, I get a book out of the library and give it to him to work at home. And he comes back, and he's worked with, with his mother, and she doesn't speak a word of English, and he's done much better. Now, I don't know how that happens, but just the caring of the father and the mother and the strength of the family unit is really impressive. And he's going to be okay. I really do think that. And the second thing, you wouldn't say anything, but I will. I'm a Republican, and I'm embarrassed every day by my party's nominee. I'm mortified by it, okay? I think I was saying what you wanted to say, okay? I hear you. And and honestly, and I'm willing, I think that it's important to acknowledge that you know, not all Republicans agree with Donald Trump and his policies and what he wants to do. And I know that. And I mean, if you look at years, you know, a lot, you know, a long, long time ago, you know, there were definitely some like, you know, cool Republicans, you know, Abraham Lincoln was like a Republican. So I'm saying he was cool. Um, but I understand you and I actually, that, and that's important. And thank you so much for, for being here and, and listening to me. I know I'm sure we disagree in some things, but I'm sure we can have a conversation. (laughs) Not much. See? See, I think in, like, in general, I think Americans want uh, immigration reform, and they want to see a functioning immigration system. I think that's the most important thing, a functioning immigration system, which right now we don't have. Thank you, sir. Hi. Hi. Um, okay, I have a question, but I guess I'll just start with a statement. 
Um, I wanted to say uh, thank you for bringing up the fact in your book that um, when you are undocumented, you're still paying taxes. And like a lot of talk isn't necessarily put out there about the fact that like you're undocumented, but you're working, but you're still paying into the social security system and you're never going to get anything back. And if the immigrants that, you know, are putting that money in there were to be gone, all deported, that system would essentially like have billions out of it that wouldn't right. necessarily be there. And I think yeah. that's really important, knowing that my parents are in that similar situation. Don't say your name. Um, Don't say your last name. <laughs> Just kidding. But um, so I, I guess like um, I wanted to say thank you regarding that because I feel like, you know, even with our stories, they're so similar with eventually my parents having to leave as well. I'm sorry. But, um, so I know how hard it is for you to get up there. And I know how hard it is for you too, and thank you for being here. You okay? But, um, my question is, if you have any insight as to, like, why, like, DACA passed, but Obama's still, like, the main person that has deported so many people out of all the presidents. Like, it's kind of like an oxymoron, and I just, like, don't get it. Like, I hear you. So, I hear you and, and why you would be upset about that. You okay? Can I hug you? That's weird, right? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sit down. I'm going to sit down, too. That's weird. I never do that, too. I, have to, I don't, I'm not like that. All right. Look, I feel you, girl. And sometimes I get, I wonder why, and I get asked that question a lot. And I think that the only way to, to think about it is that our president and any president, even though they do have power, they, you know, it's, it's, it's all a team, right? Right? Congress has to be um, on the same side. The House has to be on the same side. The Senate has to be on the same side. And I think that well, first of all, I don't agree with it. It sucks. It downright sucks that he has deported um, a, a lot of our, our families. And, and, but it ha it's not just him, right? I think that he, he did try to pass a bill uh, years ago that, you know, wasn't, that was stopped by the House. And, and, that was, um, and, and that was, you know, that was really bad for all of us and, and for ultimately um, the, the administration having to make those really tough decisions. Um, I think that we have to just keep on, uh, we have to hold, we have to absolutely have to hold um, our, the people who we elect in office accountable. Um, and we just have to keep an eye on, on, on people. That's why participation is so important. That's why you being here is so important. That's why your emotion right now, what you're feeling is so important because we can turn that into action. Um, I don't have all the answers and I'm sure President Obama doesn't have all the answers either, and um, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's just, it's a really difficult thing, and that's why it's so, so important that immigration reform is on the forefront. Whoever we elect, we express how important that is for all of us, and not just people who are going, well, definitely us who are going through in this, who are going through this situation, so kids of, of undocumented folks and, and, and kids of undocumented communities, but also uh, American citizens and people who are maybe not necessarily so close to the issue. So I'm sorry. I, I know what you're feeling, girl. I get it. I get it. But that's why you have to get, be involved more than ever. Right. Hi. Hi. Um, so thank you. So my parents are immigrants, but your parents what are immigrants? Yeah. 
Um, but they repatriated voluntarily a few years ago when I was in college, and that took a lot of years of grieving um, without me knowing it. Um, but I, I just want to ask you about some of the milestones in your journey and just reconciling your relationship, um, I think conceptually with your parents, you know, the responsibilities therein and your being bicultural, um, and the privilege that you had that they didn't have, um, and how your creative work influenced maybe the ways that you've reconciled who you are in light of who your parents are in the situation, identity, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's a battle every day. To, you know, sometimes I'm like, I look at myself and I'm, you know, I, the, the title of my book is My Family Divided, but in, in a lot of ways it's me divided, right? Um, my life divided. Um, and it's been a lot of, you know, struggles figuring out who I am and who I want to be. And, you know, am I, uh, am, am I a Latina woman? I am an, am I an American, uh, you know, who, 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 where do I belong? Um, but I think I just, um, by accepting my story, accepting, um, sort of what happened to us and accepting not in a way it's like, oh yeah, I'm totally cool with it. No, accepting meaning you know, knowing that it happened, except, you know, taking it in and now, and taking some action, um, and doing, and some of the work that I'm doing now, I think I just have to remember that I am always going to have my culture and what my parents, uh, what I learned from my parents. And I'm always going to be, uh, have the, you know, the Colombian culture that my parents instilled in me and then the American culture that I got by living here. Um, and I'm, I'm an American all the time and I'm a, uh, Latina all the time. Um, so there's no separation. I think that we need to continue to tell ourselves that, that there's no separation. I'm, if you're Asian American or whatever it is, you know, you, you just boom, right? You're that all the time. And that is part of this culture. That's part of America, what America is. And you're no less than anyone else. And that's the way you're going to be by accepting yourself. You are going to be able to help others and help build this country um, to, to, its, to its, you know, fullest potential or to make it the best that it can be. Um, I guess I would say that. If I can ask a follow-up. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, it's, it's pretty cheesy, but Amy Tan really spoke to me um, as an immigrant's daughter, uh, Chinese immigrants. Have you, do you, have you found any other work that really kind of spoke to, um, that really informed the way that you... Your, your, your role as a daughter um, spoke to kind of your experience that you connected with a lot that are maybe more recent than Good Luck or whatever, Amy Tan. Um, an experience that I felt that... No, just like works, books, movies that, that, you, that really kind of you related to. Oh, that spoke to me. Um, I mean, I, I love the work that Rosario Dawson is doing right now. I mean, I really look up to her. She's, um, she's a, a fellow, um, you know, she's, she's, she's part of this movement with me and she works with Voto Latino, um, and her work over the years with civic engagement and, and, um, and participation has been wonderful. And now she's just been so outspoken, um, and very bold. And, um, I think that I've seen a lot of her work and, um, and I've been inspired. And there's some, I mean, and there's so many. I mean, I, I honestly get, I get articles from students who are, um, you know, studying to be immigration lawyers or just lawyers or just people who are just working to, to, to make a difference. And I'm so inspired by, by them. 
Um, so I would say that. Thank you so much. Obviously, we've heard a lot of stories tonight, yours and from some people in the audience. What stories do you think mainstream television is ready for? Like, what should the next big story be that covers some of these topics that we've talked about tonight? Um, well, I think every, I think, I think in the next, I mean, the next shows that are being produced should absolutely always, I mean, I mean, should always cover uh, social issues and some of some of the things that we're going through and I mean there's <laughs> what we're doing right the work that we're doing should be reflecting um our current society and and always um the next show should be maybe my story you know who knows I mean I want I, I want to create something so that I could inform the public about what's going on and say what I want to say and and involve that you know, everything that I care about and everything that we create should always have that um, in essence at its core is I want to say something. I want to change something. Um, so I think every show should strive to that, whether it's comedy or drama or whatever it is. It should always um, uh, comment on, on what's happening in the world. That's what art is, right? That's what the best art is, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diane and Liz, for a very stimulating, informative conversation. Thank you also to the audience for your participation. The Ivy Bookshop is here this evening, and uh, Diane will be signing copies of her book uh, at the desk back here. Thank you again. Thank you.